We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Swagger from the corner. Yes! And a foul! Is he having himself an afternoon? Swagger feeling his third three already. On the drive goes Patty Casey for the basket. <laughs> Backdoor cuts. Swider with the jam. This is Swider in close. And one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 12 of the Cole Swider Show with your host, Patty Casey. I like that. Introing this week. Um, yeah, my co-host here, Cole Swider, just, I guess a couple hours ago, wrapped up a good interview with Noah Gray of the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I was unfortunately not able to join the interview, given that it was during my work day, and it is a weekday, so... I had to sit this one out. Um, it's pretty unfortunate. I was sad. I know you guys are probably devastated to hear I wasn't on it. But um, Swider and, and Noah go way back. They're AAU teammates from back in the day. So um, I'm sure it went really well. I actually haven't listened to it yet. I'll listen to it tomorrow to see what cuts and everything. I'm sure there's not many cuts. Swider said it was great. <laughs> yeah, man, it, it, was, it was a great interview. Noah's just such a class act, uh, man of God, um, and has really taken the – I mean, no one's taking the easy route to, to get together, but he's really taking a route that not a lot of people want to take. Like, right. I, I keep on telling, we, we, we learn this every week with just different guys, but I mean, Noah talks about driving 12 hours in a car with his dad to go to different elite camps, to, to go to North Carolina, to go to Duke, to go to Appalachian State, to go to, he went to Boston College three times, they never offered him. His transition yeah. from being a quarterback to a tight end and how coaches didn't want to recruit him as a quarterback, so he had to be a tight end. So I think his story was, was amazing. Um, he comes from a great family. I've known Noah since we were in seventh grade, played against him uh, for a while, and was got to be teammates with him for AU Nationals in Orlando, Florida, Patty. So, yep. uh, so great, great guy. Um, we go way back and just super hard worker um, and, and killing it with the Chiefs right now. Yeah, it's also very cool for our listeners because as basketball fans, as sports fans, I'm sure they have a lot of close friends that they grew up with playing basketball or playing different sports and then you kind of just find your own way so most of them probably don't get to the Lakers and the Kansas City Chiefs but it's pretty neat that you know you guys still have that relationship and we're very appreciative of him coming on it's also very relevant with the times right now because this I mean month and a half like last week was obviously with with Thanksgiving we recapped how big football was NFL's kind of winding down college football's obviously ramping up with with bowl season and everything so very relevant guest. Pre- 
appreciate him coming on. Appreciate you getting him slider. Yeah, man. I, obviously, we have no no call in the podcast. Little kid jobs. Well, you are working at nine to five. <laughs> yeah, well. I, I'm just I'm just appreciative that Adam could get on and and, and help us out and, and obviously accommodate both our busy schedules. I I'd film like right ten minutes after I got off the off the interview with him. So mm-hmm. it was a great interview with him and um, excited for you guys to hear it. Obviously, yeah. after this this intro. Very excited. Yeah, shout out. I I didn't mention that at the top. I'd be remiss not to shout out Adam Lewis. He made he made he's got a busy schedule. Swider. He's people may oh, not know time. Adam. Adam's still a student. At Syracuse. Yeah. He's a junior at Syracuse. He's in New Student. House. He's killing it. Very, very tight I, schedule. Very rigorous schedule. He's also the best podcaster probably in the world. Or uh, producer in the world. So. Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. So shout out Adam. We, we never say that enough. But um, so I think first thing, we're recording this on Monday. Last night was Sunday night. Um, you guys are very hot right now in L.A. And in particular, Anthony Davis played probably the best game of anyone all season against in D.C. last night. So um, I know you weren't there. You're still not traveling. But um, I'm sure you were tuned in. That was pretty unbelievable. Yeah, it was great to see him do that. I mean, obviously seeing him in training camp, seeing him in the summer, you see his natural talent. You know what I mean? And uh, the only thing people have to say about him is that it's not – it's his injuries. You know what I mean? And Which is so unfortunate because – like when you look at his production, what he does on a night-to-night basis, it almost seems like he was just working himself into shape, and now mm-hmm. he's in shape, and he and he can do this on an every-night basis. I mean, you look at his last eight games; those are historic, yeah. historic numbers, historic numbers. Fifty-five and seventeen last night, shooting like seventy-two percent from the field, totally dominating the game on both offense and defense, blocking shots, getting rebounds, like affecting the game, throwing that outlet pass to LeBron for for basically a game-sealing yeah. dunk. It's just like. Every part of the game he was affecting, and, and he was obviously just just a monster last night. So, I mean, him and LeBron are just clicking on a whole other level right now. I think our role players are doing a really good job of, of, of playing with those guys, be, being there every single step, um, and just trusting the process. I think Coach Ham's doing a great job. So it's been amazing to see. Uh, just, just see us kind of come together as a team. And when, when you're behind the scene with those guys, to see how hard they work every single day, see the commitment to, to the craft and – and the grind, and even when you're too intense, still coming in the next day and putting in the same focus as as you did when you were when you win eight out of ten. It's just yeah. it's really inspiring, and, and it's been a great experience. Yeah, I saw he won a player of the week this week in the Western Conference, which was basically a no brainer for whoever decides on that award. I think that was probably unanimous. He averaged like 37 and, and 13 for the week. So um, I played Giannis. Yeah, I played Giannis that was, in the Bucks. Yeah, that was the next game I was going to go to. That that was like an early game of the year candidate. It was just yeah. like Giannis, AD, LeBron, like all just clicking on all cylinders. The role players got going. It was very back and forth. Um, Rust yeah. out on the floor, getting that getting that loose yeah. ball and it, prime it, it time was, game. It was they, awesome. They, AD called it like a heavyweight matchup, and yeah, and even Giannis after the game posted on Instagram like it's always great to play against the best, and it right. truly was. Like watching that game, it gave me chills. It's like I, I texted Scotty mid game. It's like yo, like. It looks like we like figured this thing out. Like I'm not, oh, I'm not yeah. trying to like I'm not trying to say I'm not trying to be like too soon kind of no, guy. No, I completely completely agree. But to see Russ out there clicking with LeBron and AD and the end of game execution back to back three games in a row, like it's it seems like we're starting to figure it out and these guys are really starting to gel. So I mean, I can't wait till hopefully I'm involved in that. Yeah, our guy Austin's playing really well too. He's 
he's firing his groove. Like he can, he can play with any lineup. Oh, he's unbelievable. I mean, he like it's funny. Like me and him play really well together because our, our skills yeah like, match. And super so then complimentary. Right. It's super complimentary that he can go play with LeBron and AD and cut off those mm-hmm. guys and, and get those guys shots and and I don't know if you saw his uh, his game where he got mic'd up. Yeah, hilarious. I was dying laughing. Yeah, he's hilarious. Who was it? Was it Shane Sharp or he's like, "What's up, man? Uh, good talk." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How you doing? Whoever the, good talk. Yeah. Whoever the dude was just didn't respond. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's awesome though. He's just such a fun loving kid. Like, doesn't take anything too serious. Just like. Mm-hmm. And he's like we've talked about like these kind of guys before. It's like they can just go out and play and like not worry about the results. Like just be yeah. so in the moment, and it's just so natural for guys like him, Colin Gillespie. Like it's just so natural for those guys to just go out there and do it. I mean, yeah, um, unbelievable. So uh, I don't know. It's uh, there's a lot of athletes that envy that that mindset because a lot of people can get so in their head, and you could tell Austin's just playing pretty free at all times. He also plays his ass off every single game, but. Um, you kind of mentioned you guys find your groove. It's pretty incredible having the start you guys had, being 2-10. and 10, It's like everyone on the outside, it's like the sky is falling. And then, I don't know, three weeks later, you guys are basically, I don't know, 80% winning 80% of your game since then. Back to 10-12, and 12, like you're right in the mix here. I think the best piece of advice that I've ever gotten, well, at least in my time in the NBA, is that after the first preseason game we played, we lost by whatever like 25 to the kings i played pretty yep. well and i, and oh, I was yeah. like put my 10 10 spot my, off the bench yeah yeah, yeah just quick 10 <laughs> spot um but after the game like they're like yo like why are you upset i mean oh we just lost like my my group let up the lead he's like yo we have like a hundred more games left yeah literally a <laughs> hundred yeah. games like so so you can't evaluate yourself like G, like we gmac just say all the time don't evaluate yeah. yourself to the end like like you could win 12 games in a row and then lose six and then yeah. go win eight and then in the NBA if you win 45 games that's a really good season yep like you're in the playoffs you're fighting so I just think that when the Lakers are doing bad it's going to be all over the place like, yeah in ter- terms of the media and then like right now AD is the best player in the world and he he might have a game where he doesn't shoot well and then it's going to be the it's going to be yeah, like, just the same, flips. same way yeah. so so I mean it's just amazing to see those guys see how they work and, and how that stuff doesn't even affect them. Yeah. Um, I guess transitioning here, we're going to dive into our mailbag question of the week. This will be serve as sort of a segue. Um, we're talking about AD, his unbelievable for performances. Um, this question is from Adam, not our producer Adam, but a listener Adam. So shout out Adam. He says he's a big fan. Um, Swider, thinking back on your time in college, is there one individual performance from an opponent that you think stands above the rest? Yeah, man. I I remember when I was a sophomore at Villanova, we played at Marquette, and Marcus Howard had, like, 28 in the first half, finished with, like, 42. (laughs) Totally, like, dominated the game. Um, He was one of, like, those, like, just great college players that, like, yeah, he could do whatever he wanted on the court, and it just seemed like it was just so natural to him. It'd be like a floater, a three, a step back, a mid-range two, like a- any shot he wanted in the game, he could get it. Him and Miles Powell, I always say, are the best college players that I've ever played against, just because the amount of attention that we put on our scouting report to them, and the way they were still able to get off, have great games, and, and carry their teams, it's just I I don't envy guys like like Buddy last year, right? Like especially like. 
playing against Villanova and some of these other teams, like you're the top guy every single night, and you're still able to carry your teams, do it efficiently. Yeah. Marcus Howard was like a 50-40-90 guy for like three straight yeah. years. Dude, he was like, ridiculous. Um, I remember watching yeah. him against, I think it was Buffalo. He had five points at halftime. And then, like, you look at the end of the game, and he had 45 points. Like, he just scored 40 in the second half. He's one of those guys that, like, no matter what, like, Scotty's like this a little bit, too. Like, he'll have two points at halftime, and then he'll find a way to get, like, 24. Yeah. It's just, like, like, some of of these guys, especially, like, the main ball handlers, the guys who, like, have the ball in their hands the whole entire game. You got to think about it. They're shooting the free throws at at the end of the game, like G-Mac used to talk about. Yep. So, so you're up. So, that's, like, six points right there. Yeah. Like Scotty's getting like three or four fast break layups, and then he'll get like he'll get fouled like on, on a random play in the bonus, and just go to the line and, and have like he'll have like fourteen points off of free throws, and then just like ten points throughout the game. Yeah, and it's just like that such an easy twenty four for him. Still counts though. I mean, you're just finding oh. points throughout the game. Like that's what that's like the biggest part of being a scorer. Oh, that's um, like Coach Beheim used to say all the time to me and Buddy. It's like. Chris Mullen shot 10 shots a game, but averaged 25 points a game. He would get to yeah. the free throw line 15 times a game. Mm-hmm. He'd, make, he'd make 14 out of 15, 15 out of 15, and then make six six or seven of his of his 10 shots and end up with 25 to 30 points. Yeah. G-Mac used to always say that, too. He's like, I played a lot of bad basketball in this uniform, but I'd always get 16. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, speaking of G-Mac, giant win for the Orange this weekend. It was, in uh, South Bend, I actually, real quick before we get into this, I've I've talked a lot about my Notre Dame fandom for football that does not uh, that does not translate to basketball at all. I'm not even yep. blowing smoke here. I've actually never been, I never like hated Notre Dame basketball, but I was never much of a fan. Um, yeah. So obviously on Saturday, if there's any questions about what I'm pulling for, it's it's easily the orange all the way. <laughs> for sure. No, but that was such a classic Bayheim win. Like, yep. Lose so many tough games in a row. Everyone's counting you out. Your worst team in Syracuse history. Uh, whatever. That whatever. Like all the narratives that's been placed around the program, and then you go at Notre Dame, a team who just beat Michigan State by twenty. Yeah, they have everything going for them. Six and one have the seventh most efficient offense in college basketball. Like have five shooters against the zone. Oh, like they're gonna blow us out. They have shooting. Yeah. Then then we then we go and, and we beat him on the road and and we right. don't shoot the ball well, like, what what one one quick shout out I gotta give a quick shout out to Joe Joe Gerard I mean yeah I was gonna been, get to that talking about the scrutiny I mean Joe Joe's received more scrutiny than anyone else this year mm-hmm. um, he has a big game against Richmond and then he has a couple of bad shooting games and everyone writes him off and I talked to Joe and. And his his mindset was just to just keep going, you know what I mean. And that's what G Mac used to always tell us, and mm-hmm. coach always preaches to us. And then he goes out and has twenty, looks confident, is, is shooting the basketball, tough shots, and making tough shots, and finding Jesse, running the team, contesting every single shot on on the perimeter, making sure he's getting in there for re- he has five rebounds, yeah, like, all over the court. So just just a big shout out to Girardi, Joe Girard, yeah, friend of the pod. Um, very good friend of ours. I was very, I was like, <laughs> I was dangerously close to like responding to people on Twitter last week, seeing some of the the Gerard hate. It's like actually insane. Like it's after the not, Illinois game, it's like, I don't know. You know what's ridiculous? You know what's ridiculous? Mike Waters put out a tweet like saying the joke became like the twentieth, 
20th all-time leading scorer in Syracuse basketball history. Mm-hmm. All right. So, like, think about all the great players that have been to Syracuse. And there was this one guy who goes, for all the points he scored in high school, this hasn't really lived up to the to the expectations yeah. that like, we had. What do you want him. him to do? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what? Yeah. He's about to score probably 1,600 points in a Syracuse yeah. jersey. Yeah, 100%. He averaged 12.5 points a game as a freshman. Kept up as a sophomore, kept it up as a junior. is a le- is a leading scorer on the team now. He he's the it just the the disrespect of the level of college basketball and how hard it is to to be a really good ACC player at Syracuse with all the scrutiny and being the only show in town. It was just mind boggling. And Mike Waters put put out a good tweet too. He was like, "Yeah, but you got to think about it. He played with Buddy Beheim, yeah, who who's." Was the ACC leading scorer? Elijah Hughes was the ACC leading scorer, mm-hmm. and then he's he's played with just other great players. So it's like, it's, I, that that was that that tweet just it's got so me frustrating. Upset. Yeah, I saw one that was like, uh, I'm not lying. I've I've played pickup with players better than Joe Girard. Like, are you kidding me? No, you haven't. <laughs> you simply yeah. haven't. Like, Girard, you could play <laughs> lefty against whoever that guy was and all his boys and. He would completely obliterate them. Like, that was just... It's mind-boggling how good everyone at that level is. So, like, to disrespect anyone who's... At, it's not like... Yeah, he had a couple games where he struggled. He's still averaging 15 points a game. Like... I, yeah, I, I, I have no respect for people like that. And I just... And just to see the, the work that he puts in every single day to get the yeah. disrespect... It's like, if people knew half the stuff that he did, then, then they would have no... They, they right. couldn't even say anything on Twitter. So, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's it's a it's a part of being a college basketball player. It's a part of playing at Syracuse. We're yeah. blessed to have the we're blessed to have the fans. I mean, Syracuse has the best fan base in the country. I truly right. believe that. You go on, you go Very on the road passionate. to any any venue in the Bahamas, yeah. the place was full. In Maui, the place is full. Mm-hmm. At the MSG, it feels like a Syracuse home game. Like it's just it's like Syracuse mafia. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just orange yeah. all over the garden. So um, yeah, if you can't if you can't tell, we're, we're pretty passionate Syracuse guys, and, <laughs> yeah. and and we're Girardi homers. Yeah, no, we're complete homers. But I mean, it's just <laughs> it's just good analysis. However, I mean, you never want to look ahead in college basketball, but their schedule pretty, here pretty favorable schedule. Yeah, they they could get to I don't know nine to five, ten and four here. They're currently at four and four, but um, the diehard Syracuse fans will remember this. That's why that reminded me of our win at Florida State last year. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Same exact time time of year. Kind of same exact position where it's like we need a win really bad. No one expects us to get a win. And like you said, we classic just Bayheim win. Bang. It's almost like that, that Indiana win too. It's like no one expects us to win. We're coming off a tough Bahama stretch where we lost to two really, really good teams. Two I mean VCU could was, was on the bubble the whole entire year. Auburn was the number one team in the country the whole entire year. So you can say yeah. those are two bad losses, whatever. Um, and then then we come home. We be a really good Indiana team. Then yeah. at the time, Flo- Florida State was getting getting votes for the top twenty five. We beat Florida State on the road. Yeah. And then we have that momentum going into the game at the Garden against Villanova, and obviously it was a tough one there. But I mean, I don't yeah. know, just typical Bayheim win. I, I, I tweeted after the game. Yeah, that was uh, a good super tweet. Super excited. Yeah. yeah. Bayheim with the goat emojis. I mean, mm-hmm. Beheim loves it. Beheim loves being doubted because every single year he just proves everyone wrong. Yeah, 
I've talked to oh, you. This. Think we stink? Uh, yeah. Sweet sixteen. <laughs> I've uh, I've talked to you about this off camera, but I think you and Elijah Hughes are maybe the n- number one and two uh, former Hughes players on Twitter right now. Just firing off a Ooh. little proud of the guys, little orange emoji. I don't know. Yeah. Two thousand tweets, easy. Yeah. <laughs> Elijah's great. Elijah's so consistent. Yeah. Uh, I, I gotta I gotta get to his level, but he I mean, I'm not a like big Twitter game. guy. Yeah, no. yeah, I watch. Yeah, I watch every game too. I'm not yeah. a big like tweet tweet guy. Like I'll never tweet unless it's about Syracuse or if my sisters yeah. are doing something well or something yeah. like that. But or, or my little brother. But yeah, man. I mean, uh, man, I, I just got I just got hyped up a little bit about the Qs, man. Yeah, it was just an unbelievable, and I was thrilled. But um, the other thing we always want to check in on every week, Swire, how are you feeling? How's the rehab going? I know you're getting back on the court now, like you promised last week. But if you want to fill us, fill me in, fill the listeners in. Yeah, man. So today was actually the first day where I, I got to go back and play live. So full get practice, to play live wider. Was, yep. Yeah, get to go back and play two on two with, with some of the guys, and we're doing a lot of non-contact stuff. Um, we're taking it slow. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you can't can't rush it. As frustrating as it is sometimes, you can't rush it. So, um, just just every single day, just. Inching closer and closer. Uh, first game back is going to be December 14th, so really excited about, about that. Obviously, I have the minimum restrictions and all that, but mm-hmm. um, just super excited the opportunity to play, get back out on the court. Felt good today. I mean, I felt like I was moving in quicksand a little bit. Just was like, I haven't, I haven't moved like this in eight weeks. Right, yeah. But at the same time, just super blessed, super excited just to keep on working, keep on getting better. And you you know me I'm a big process guy so right uh, a little bit of work doesn't scare me and uh, I'm mm-hmm. excited to get back out there. Yeah, it's awesome. It's got to be the best feeling in the world. But um, I don't know if if we said it on the mics last week, but don't you have a, a target date at this point? I don't know if you're allowed to say that, but maybe some breaking news from the Swider Show. Yeah, December 14th is going to be mm-hmm. my my debut. My debut. Huge. So super excited for that. Yeah. Um, Follow us on, on Twitter and Instagram at Swider Show. We'll be, uh, maybe we'll put out some special content for your return. We'll <laughs> whip up a reel or something. Adam, yeah, that maybe. sound good? All right, Adam gave us a thumbs up. So, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll chef something up. By we, I mean simply Adam, but, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll get something going for that. The goat, but the goat, the goat. Uh, but yeah, happy to hear that. Sheridan's not here, so we currently don't have a stat of the week. Um, John, <laughs> Sheridan's out, but uh, what are we getting? Oh, we got a. I don't know if the listeners don't care about this, but I will be in this, in town. Swider, I'll be at the Q's game on Saturday, Georgetown, one p.m. I'm going with my uh, parents. My dad's a huge Pearl Washington fan. He was his favorite player growing up, so he's going into the Ring of Honor. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it should be fun. It should be a good ceremony. Speaking of the Ring of Honor, obviously amazing that Coach Beheim is historic, whatever. But I saw Hakeem, Hakeem Warwick last night at uh, we played the, we played against Judy yeah. last night. So got got to talk to him, got to see him, got to um, just be around and be his presence. And he's an unbelievable guy. He reminds me a lot of Demetrius Nichols, just soft spoken, super mm-hmm. dedicated to the craft, um, and a big big Syracuse guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Him and Jason Hart were talk, talking about Syracuse, talking about the guys. Um, and then James Sutherland too. So it was just like a, it was. It was a great Syracuse kind of night for me. Um, yeah. Being around those guys, being it, it, it was it was great. So, but Hakeem Warwick, 
I don't know if this is breaking news, but he said he's going to get his the jersey's going to be uh, retired the last game of the season. So. Yeah, March fourth. Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll be in the house, that's awesome. Um, but but yeah, he, he he was great. He was out there working with the guys and getting out there early and just typical Syracuse guy. Just just yeah. just a grinder. Yep, a lot of loyalty there too. The brotherhood. I know not so much loyalty actually. Fuck that. Not the Brotherhood. That's what Duke says. But, I don't yeah. know, some other term. Q's family. How about that? Nice uh, yeah. orange emoji. Know what's yeah, insane, man. though? You know what's... I found this out last year when I was on the team. You know the orange emoji is actually tangerine? Like the orange... No, it's, like it's the orange... It's no, the, it's the orange, orange emoji, emoji, but it's technically a tangerine, which is just devastating. <laughs> but uh, I yeah, just choose to not... I just choose to not believe that. Although it does have a stem, so it kind of makes sense that it's a tangerine. But, like, yeah. I don't know. Screw that. Like, whenever we get a big recruit, just tweet out orange emoji, but it's technically a tangerine. But Yeah. And, and the, it's always the orange or the tangerine emoji and, and, the, yeah. and the orange heart. <laughs> yeah. Great, great combo. Great orange, combo. Orange heart is great combo. Um, yeah. But maybe one of these... Maybe one of these weeks the mailbag question of the week will be what's your favorite emoji? I think that would be bad. Yeah, but uh, now that we've finished our emoji segment of the week, um, as far as the rest of the show, we're excited to give you this Patty Casey-less interview with Noah Graham. I'm sure the listeners, you know, there might be some that are that are happy to hear that. Let me button in. You know what I mean? However, there's, I, mean, I, I think there's a lot of loyal listeners that are devastated. So. I mean, half our listeners are Scranton people, so they're, <laughs> yeah, they're probably, sick, probably sick and tired of, of hearing me. But, uh, no, they'll, they'll be tuned in for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I said, ex- excited to give you guys this. I'm sorry, Swider. I'm sorry, Adam. I'm sorry, listeners, that I couldn't be there. But um, from all accounts, it was a great interview. Noah is the man. He's really uh, working his way into a lot more packages. He's getting more yeah, of, no, a, of a look with the Chiefs, hitting his stride more here. Um, and being with the Chiefs is not the worst thing, so... I'm excited to watch him against the Eagles in the Super Bowl. And um, likewise, I'm excited for you guys to listen to this interview. So, Swire, if you want to sign off, we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, man. Great interview with with Noah, and I'm really excited for you guys to listen to it. And obviously, go Orange, go Lakers, and uh, we'll be talking to you guys next week. First off, I'd like to say thank you to my man Noah Gray for coming on the show. It's been a while, Noah, but uh, happy to have you on, man. How you been? I'm good, man. I appreciate you having me, dog. This is fun. This is cool, man. Yeah, man. So it's actually been probably since actually no, on my official visit to Duke, we hung out a little bit, but uh, but yeah, it's, it's been a while since since I saw you. So it's you got a lot to catch up on, man. Yeah, man. When did we play together? We played AU what sixth or seventh grade together? Yes, yeah, seventh grade, eighth grade nationals. So it's been, it's been a it's been a crazy journey since, man. Look where we are now. <laughs> dude, it's cool, man. I was hyped for you, dude. Like when you got drafted. I mean, when you came out, um, and because you were at Villanova for a little bit, right? Yeah. And then yep, you went to Syracuse been... for your last year. Yeah, yeah man. man so... I, I was I was hyped for you. I would always follow you, bro, because I didn't. You know, I don't. I don't remember a whole lot of guys. Like I think you're the only guy that I actually like played with, and we only played for that one tournament. But like, actually yeah. went on to play in, in the NBA, and I was playing a lot of basketball when I was younger. So like, I thought it was pretty cool when you came out and. You know, now you're playing for the Lakers, dude. So that's pretty, pretty sweet, man. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So, I mean, first off, just how you feeling? How, how's the season going for you? I mean, I know in the NFL the injuries are crazy. So, you, how, how you holding up? I'm great, man. Yeah, it's uh, 
it's a long season going from like 12 games in college to 17. Um, yeah. And they just expanded the NFL um, by a game last year. Um, and then, you know, I play for the Chiefs. So, you know, I play full preseason, then we're in the playoffs and we get pretty deep. Um, so I think last sure. year was probably last year was pretty tough just because like it was literally almost two, basically two college regular seasons um, in one season. You know, you play like 20 something games, like 23 games. I think I played last year and I was a rookie. So I had to grind in preseason and, uh, you know, I had to play a lot of minutes in those preseason games and let the let the vets rest. And then you just get rolling, dude. So. I've been I've been blessed though I haven't uh, been uh, you know too dinged up I've been pretty healthy which has been awesome so it's uh, it's been good man this year's been good and we're winning games unfortunately we just lost to the Bengals last night which is brutal but yeah. uh, hopefully we'll get those guys again in the playoffs yeah man it's it's a part of it though and it's they tell us in professional sports all the time like you can't worry about one game like you play so many games like you just gotta keep on moving on so. I, I can only imagine. But uh, let's go back to middle school, man. Obviously, we played together in AAU Nationals. Um, it's a cra- crazy thing about now. But uh, what made you fall in love with football? And what made you choose football over basketball? Because, I mean, a lot people people from around out around the area know, but you probably could have been a Division One basketball player if, if you stuck to it. Nah, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, though, man. I appreciate that. I think uh, when you joined our AAU squad, uh, for that one tournament, I think it was down in Florida. Like, I don't know, there's just a lot of perspective there. Like, you know, I'm not the tallest dude, you know, and like I was playing power forward, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm 6'3". So it's like, I think a, a little bit of realism there, you know, I, and don't get me wrong, basketball is like my favorite sport growing up. It's still my favorite sport. Like, I love playing pickup basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, between that and pickleball right now, like, that's what I grind in the off season sometimes because it's just fun, man. Like, it's a great sport. And, uh, but like being around guys like you, being around some of those, some of those other guys, like you just kind of be like, yeah, I'm probably not gonna make it in the sport. Like, <laughs> I can't, I can't really like I can dunk a basketball, but I can't do it consistently. I'm not a great shooter, and I'm like the size of a guard. You know what I mean? Like it's, it was just kind of like, uh, you know, I'm pretty good at football, so I'll probably just uh, go this other route. And um, so, oh, I started like really uh, getting into football. I've, been, I've playing tackle football since I was like six years old Um, and I never I never stopped Um, and then my dad is like hey like you know you could you could probably play football at the next level and he would drive me up and down the east coast taking me from uh, camp to camp trying to you know get in front of some college coaches and it kind of just took off from there I just kind of fell in love with it and all I wanted to do was play football so uh, I think by the time I was like a junior in high school I was just kind of done with the whole basketball route and I kind of just threw everything into football but man i love basketball i mean it's nothing like it being cold outside you get to go and play in the gym man that's that was always <laughs> for sure not for sure man um but but when i met you you were originally a quarterback so talk about when you had to make that transition from quarterback to tight end and, and when did you realize that in terms of you going to college like that was going to be your, your best opportunity it's really kind of the same development as basketball like i I would show up uh, to these camps and I went to Boston college for three years uh, at their camp and I would go as a quarterback. Um, and just every year they're like, Oh yeah, I just kind of want to see you develop. And I was like, all right, cool, cool, cool. And then I went down to UNC and uh, I was playing and I was at one of their camps and I was actually going to go back to back days for them. Like UNC was my dream school. Uh, believe it or not, I went to Duke. Um, 
but I was like, man, I need to go to the UNC. So I, I went, played a little quarterback. After the camp, I went up to the quarterback coach. I'm like, hey, uh, what do you like think? Like, should I come back tomorrow as a quarterback? Um, but I was also thinking about maybe coming as a receiver. He goes, oh, yeah, definitely go as a receiver. Like, straight up. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, definitely, if you come back tomorrow, go as a receiver. Yeah. So I showed I show back up the next day, um, and I get with the, the tight ends coach. Quarterback coach never even, like, made eye contact with me. Like, I walked right <laughs> by him in the same line. Super awkward. Like, I can't even believe my dad made me do that. Uh, I think I was a sophomore in high school. But I think I realized then I'm like, yeah, like, if I actually want to do something uh, with this beyond high school, I should probably switch positions. Um, so then, like, by the time my senior year rolled around, and really I was only kind of thrown in a quarterback because – like our backup quarterback in high school is a legitimate D tackle. Like the dude yeah. is like, oh my, like I don't know, 260 pounds. Like just kind of a dude that could throw the ball, but he didn't know how to play quarterback. Like we didn't have anyone else to play it. So I was kind of thrown into that position. And then my coach was finally just like, all right, dude, like you're gonna play tight end at the next level. We might as well throw you in here for the last half of the season. Um, you know, and I love scoring touchdowns, catching touchdowns. It was kind of a passion of mine, and like. I would go to these camps and their the coaches would be like, all right, yeah, you're definitely a re- receiver tight end. Um, you know, we can just throw the quarterback stuff to the side. And that's kind of the route that I took. I've always been kind of a realist about it. Like basketball, yeah. like you just realize that you're not going to be a good basketball player at the next level. And I wanted to be as successful as I can and play sports for as long as I can possible. Um, you know, and that was just kind of like the, the reality of my situation, you know, growing up like that. So going off that North Carolina camp, talk about the recruitment process of football because obviously it's a lot different than basketball. Basketball, we get to go to tournaments. We get to go to live tournaments in July. College coaches are lined up on the sideline. Football, it's a little different. You have to go to camps. And If you can elaborate on that process a little bit and just tell tell the average person at home just about that. Yeah, so for me, because I played uh, quarterback, there wasn't a lot of tape to base it off of. And I'm also from Massachusetts. Like Massachusetts – you in that New England area, like New York, Mass, like it's basketball and hockey, really, and lacrosse, um, you know. But for football, um, it's a little bit different. And there's some guys like AJ Dillon, um, yep. he went to Lawrence Academy, absolute dog. He's playing for the Packers right now, great dude, you know. But like that's a guy that like his film as a running back showed that he was going to be a running back at the next level. He probably he went to camps. I remember uh, going to some camps with him, but. You know what he was doing on film that was attractive to coaches and coaches would literally just show up to his games and you know they'd be super excited about it and it was great but i played quarterback so for me um it was hard because i would talk to these coaches and like oh yeah but you know you're not a quarterback and i'm like well i can play at the next level i know that i can um yeah. but they're like all right well you oh, like come to camp so like that was a big thing like physically showing up to these camps um, and my dad hated flying, like could not, like still, yeah, I remember that. He, str- he struggles, he struggles to get on a plane. Like when we went down to that Florida tournament in middle Orlando, school, you guys drove, yeah. he drove all the way down there. It was like, a, like, we drove straight through, like it was like 24 hours from Massachusetts. It was awful, brutal, but like he would not fly. So he was like, all right, like, you know, I want you to, you know, get an offer. I want you to play in college. So like, let's go down. Let's, let's create a calendar and we're just going to go down the East coast and we're going to hit all these schools. So I literally drove, you know, went to Boston college. I went down and that's when I played quarterback. Then I was done that. And then I was like, all right, uh, we went to temple played just tight end. I'm like, I'm just going to sell out tight end right now. And this is going into my uh, senior year. So yeah, my yeah. junior year just finished up. So I went to temple 
And then I went to UNC tight end. I went to Duke tight end. Then I drove out to Appalachian State tight end. Well, then I started kind of like I was get. I got an offer. I think my first offer was like UNH or something. Yeah. But UNH offered me as a tight end because I showed up to their camp as well before I, I had started heading south. Um, and then Temple offered me. So then I could like start telling coaches like, all right, hey, like these schools offer me as a tight end. I showed up to the camp. So then they'd be like, oh, cool. We don't have any film use at tight end. Come to our camp. So I was like, all right, cool. Went to Duke, tight end only. Duke ended up offering me like uh, a week later. They had to vet some people at my high school as a tight end. Then I went to App State. I was like, yeah, App State never heard of me, bro. Like I had all these offers for a tight end. And it was kind of growing on like the 24-7 website. But I yeah. literally, my dad drove me to App State, which is like probably three and a half hours from Durham, North Carolina. I show up there and I run my 40. And it was pretty decent. Like, I mean, we all look stupid out there because we haven't got no training. So we're just running. <laughs> oh, man, you ran like a like a 4.7 as a tight end. Like, that's, that's pretty fast. Like, what's your name? I was like, oh, no. He's like, do you have any offers? I'm like, dude, no one has any idea who I am. So yeah. after the camp, Coach Satterfield, who – uh, I think he might get a job. Uh, man, he might get picked up at Cincinnati now because their coach left. But he's he, he's been the coach at Louisville, but he was coach at App State before. And he's like, hey, I want to offer. Like, we're gonna offer you right now. I'm like, that's crazy. So then BC actually sees that I'm getting offers from these schools, and then they're like, they're calling me, and he's like, hey, like, we just need you to come to camp and be a tight end. Like, we just need to see you. I'm like, dog, I've been to camp for three and a half three, years. Yeah. <laughs> I showed up three years. I wanted to go to BC. You guys still haven't offered me. Why am I going to go back there and run as a tight end? Like, you know I'm an athletic dude. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't know, you know, I don't know what else you want from me. So, uh, eventually, I just kind of fell in love with, uh, you know, Coach Cud and, and Duke and thought it was a good fit for me. Um, and I had schools like hit me up. Hey, we just need you to come to camp. And at that time I was tired, dude. Like, I think that summer that was like, I probably had to been to like seven or eight schools, like physically had to show up there and go through this whole seven hour ordeal where I'm playing football, doing all this stupid 40 testing. And then like, finally they'd offer me at the end, get a call from another school. Hey, come here, come here. All right, I'll be there. And it's like, dude, like, yeah, I mean, like some of the some of the other schools who I've been to before is like, oh, we just need you to come here. I'm like, dog, I'm too tired, man. Like, this is a lot for some yeah, 16-year-old yeah. kid, man. So that's kind of how it went. And then uh, Duke offered me. I fell in love, and I just kind of committed there. So, um, and it was the best decision I ever made, and I still stand by that to this day. Yeah, man, that process sounds crazy. And, and you talk about coming from Massachusetts. Like, there's not a, there's not a whole bunch of. NFL guys who came from Massachusetts. I mean, over the years, probably probably a couple, but I mean, one thing I get out of that is like you really worked for that these scholarship offers. Like nothing was given to you. You you were traveling all over the place, and I think that's one of the things that goes under the radar for some of these kids. It's like they just expect the guys to come to them. Like no, like if you want this, you got to go and get it. And I feel like this is such a great example of like someone just going to get it. But going off of that, you said you committed to Duke. Um, talk about that transition to college a little bit, because obviously for me, high school to college was the biggest transition. And for you, now you're playing a, a position that you're. it's the first time you're actually playing it uh, for, for, for a consistent season. Talk about that a little bit. Oh, man, it was hard. It was tough, especially because I had only like half of a high school season at tight end. And like the game is so much different. Oh, like yeah. you could have some of the best players in high school. And they'll show up to college, and it'll be anywhere, dude, like any program. And, like, they're either going to fold or they're going to, you know, take what 
they're uh, learning from their coaches and they're going to run with it. And um, I look silly, dude. I look so silly. Like, you should have seen me try to block some of these guys, man. Like, I would pull the wrong way and run into, like, my own teammates. Like, I'd be trying to block a dude and just get absolutely driven back, like, five yards in the backfield. And I was like, hey, I blocked the guy. Like, he didn't make the tackle. I'm five yards deep in the backfield. And the coach is like, no, what are you doing here? You know, like, it just – it was t- it was tough for the first year, but I had some great coaches to kind of help me and, and guide me. Um, you know, my first tight end coach was he was actually an offensive line guy that they kind of just threw at tight end. So he was actually a huge reason into why I was able to kind of develop and like learn how to block because I think that was the biggest thing. Like I was yeah. athletic enough to run around and catch passes and stuff, but like blocking a dude who's six five and two hundred eighty two hundred ninety pounds is just something that you need a lot of like technique for, um, you know, it takes a lot of technique and then obviously you had to get a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. Um, so that was probably the biggest thing that I struggled with. Um, but man, I, I, I had some dude show me some film like a few years ago. He was the, like a junior when I was a freshman and it just looks silly, bro. But that's just the way it is, bro. And yeah. it's honestly like the other tight end that came in with me felt the same way. And it's just like looking back on it now, it's like, it's funny. Cause like it's, five years removed but man it was a it was definitely a grind and um you know even if you played the position you know for your entire life like that transition i mean i'm sure you know in in basketball you know going from like au and the prep schools and stuff like that like it's just it's just a different animal you know and then from there to the from college to the nfl it's like another big jump you know what i mean because then it's like all right you take away the school and all the time that you got to study like uh, preparing for school and then on top of like football and basketball, then it's all, it's literally just your job now. Like you do yeah. it 24 seven and there's just more details that like these coaches expect you to know. So, um, you know, but honestly I was, I, I was grateful to have pretty good coaches to kind of help me with that transition. Yeah. Big time, man. Going off of that. When did you know the NFL was a real possibility for you? Um, I think after my, maybe my junior year, like I didn't, I tried not to think about it too much just because I didn't want me to uh, get too over my head about it or um, be stressed about it, you know? So I, I think after my junior year, going into my senior year, like obviously like the, the Reese Senior Bowl starts to reach out to people about the watch list. And, um, you know, obviously if you do the Reese Senior Bowl, you don't just do that because it's like an opportunity to play one more final college game. Like it's an exactly. opportunity to interview with NFL scouts and, um, you know, show them how you're going to match up against some of the best guys coming out um, in, into that draft year. So, uh, you know, once those kind of started rolling around, I was like, all right, like I got to finish this college season, you know, one more year. Unfortunately, it was the COVID year. So um, yeah. super weird, super weird season. Um, but I was like, all right, like if I can just keep a good head on my shoulders, keep the same work ethic, keep that same love and passion after the game, like, you know, hopefully this can uh, roll over into, into the NFL and make a career out of it. You had a big junior year, 51 catches, 392 yards, three touchdowns. And then you talk about the senior year, you have a new quarterback who's Chase Bryce, who actually ended up at App State and you, you don't have the same production, but. You had second team All ACC the year before, second team All American, and then 
going into draft night, what, what were your expectations going into draft night? Because I know for me, it was all over the place. This team said they were going to draft me. That team said they were going to draft me. This team said they were going to give me whatever, these contracts. Talk about your expectations going into draft night and, and, and what that night was like. Yeah, so, you know, I tried to stay very uh, mellow and level-headed about it. Like, I, for me, I was like, I'm just going to think worst-case scenario, I'm going to go undrafted. Like, and yeah. like you said, like, there's a big uh, dip of my numbers. And, like, looking back on it, I didn't know how much that factored into it. Like, I didn't know. It's like, all right, the stats went down. Like, and I got a lot of questions about that in during the pre-draft process. Like, hey, what do you think was wrong? And they're trying to get me to, like, bash, you know, the outsource. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I never did. And I never will. You know what I mean? Like, we went like two and I think like two and nine that season. Our only wins was Syracuse and like Charlotte, you know, and like they were just as bad as we were, <laughs> you know? So like it, it was, it was tough. Cause I was like, man, like I didn't, I wasn't the same, like same Noah quote unquote as I was my junior year. Um, but you know, I, I felt like as long as I go in and super positive and I kill these interviews and show them that I'm a pretty smart dude um, in terms of football, you know, I'll be all right. And, you know, if I don't go drafted, you know, that's fine. Like I'll, you know, I, I pray that I'll get picked up by a team and I'll be able to show them what I got when it comes uh, training camp time. And fortunately for me, the chiefs drafted me and, you know, I'm for the rest of my life, I'll be forever grateful. Cause I don't think if I went, if I went to another team, especially early on in my career, I don't think I'd be the same player that I am today. Yeah. You know, like having Kels and, and having guys like Pat and like the coaches that we do in Kansas city has been like huge. Like I never thought I would know this much about football, you know, and they uh, fortunately was drafted in the fifth round there. And, you know, that was over exceeding my expectation though, you know, cause I was like, man, undrafted. Cool. Like, I'm just going to get an opportunity. And then I got the call from KC and, uh, you know, the rest is history. I'm two years in now. We're just having fun, man. That was my next question. I mean, for me, I have this same kind of, like, these legends. You know what I mean? I have Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook. And then you, you go into a team that's ready to win a championship now. And then you're with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, two of the best players in the NFL now. Travis Kelsey's probably the one or two greatest tight, greatest tight end of all time, either him or Gronk. And then Patrick Mahomes is headed that way towards being a quarterback. Talk about learning from those guys, because I know for me, it's it's been a big part of my rookie years, just learning from these these all-time greats. Dude, it's like a legit blessing. Like an absolute, like, I will forever be super thankful that, you know, Coach Reed and Brett Beach, you know, they drafted me to Kansas City because, like I said, I would not be the same player. Uh, Kels is like, some like I get people come up to me and say, oh is Kels like a cocky dude is he just like you know he's the vet in the room he's one of the greatest like does he just keep to himself man he is the most like outgoing humble uh just awesome type of teammate guy that you could have in a locker room like that dude like during OTAs which is just kind of like these small little practices that we have it's seven on seven it's an individual drill and then you're out of there but that dude would like get done his rep and he would like watch like Jody, me, some of the other tight ends who are trying to make it. And like, he would come back with feedback, like after every play. And I was like, man, that's crazy. Like this dude, is, like you said, he's going to go down as one of the greatest tight ends of all time. Yeah. I think he's the best. Obviously I'm yeah, a little, little biased, a little biased. I think, but I think he's the best man. And like, 
you know, to have a dude in the locker room that cared that much about what I was doing in OTAs and then have, like, see him consistently do that, like, literally my entire two years that I've been in Kansas City, like, that is something that was so, like, crazy to me. But, like, I was like, man, I'm just so thankful that he's given me the help. Like, I'm thankful that, you know, he's teaching me how to run a deep cross a different way versus cover three and, and quarters. Like, yeah. to have that kind of insight into what he's thinking, like, that is so huge, bro. Because when I go out there, like, I can kind of, like, you know, it just gives me more information and more knowledge uh, to be able to go execute my assignment. You know, our offense, like, there's a lot of different ways to run a lot of different routes. And, like, I've heard some other organizations and from coming from college, like, you ran a basic cross one way, and this is how you ran it. And, like, here it's like, man, this coverage, you run it like this. And if you see this or this happen, then you speed it, like, stuff like that. I'm like, dude, you don't just, like, learn that. Like, it takes time and years, and yeah. he always had that. And uh, he, fortunately, he's – He's literally like still to this day, he, he continues to help, help me, help Jody, help all the guys in that room and, you know, help us be better. And we're a better tight end unit for it, dude. And, you know, and in terms of Pat, you know, Pat's Pat, you know, he's a winner and, uh, you know, having that mindset and having a guy like that, that just cares so much about the game, man, it's, it's been an absolute blessing to play with those guys. You know, they're, the one thing I will say is they're just great teammates and uh, I'm just yeah. very fortunate to play. I'm sure you feel that way with the guys that are in LA with you right now, but it's just yeah, it's awesome sure. being around a, a culture like that. Going off the NFL, just t- talk about a typical NFL day, week, because I think a lot of, like people don't know you guys are in there from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. On, on most days. C- can you just talk about that? Just give uh, the normal person a little uh, inside look. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, that's pretty much that's it. We're not till nine though. Like we're probably, is that what y'all, is that y'all schedule in LA? Definitely not us. Definitely not us, bro. <laughs> I was about to say, man, that's crazy. Seven to nine, dude. I mean, I don't even know. Oh man. And you got like 85 games. Um, yeah, no, nah, I mean, we, uh, we have Monday off, so I'm chilling right now. Yeah. Tuesday we'll go and watch a little film and, uh, do a little lift and stuff like that. And, so Monday and Tuesday is pretty chill. And then I think Wednesday through Friday is like the days where it's like we're in there watching film. We got practice, you know, we got some other things and we got meetings after. So we're probably in there from like I know, like eight o'clock to five in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, you know, those days and then Saturdays is kind of like a tempo down day, just kind of finalizing some some things about the game plan. And Sunday we're just we're playing. Um you know, and it's definitely tedious, especially during like a 18 week schedule. And like I said earlier, it's like we're in Kansas City, we're gonna be in the playoffs, and we got preseason. Uh, Coach Reed, Coach Reed loves the practices hard. You know, and I love that. You know, I think like I'm a big believer in practice. You know, big believer in, in you know going out there and getting game speed reps. Um, you know, and we we I think uh, Coach Reed does it the right way. So it's um it's definitely long. Um, it's tedious, but at the end of the day, like you and I were playing kids sports. And yeah. uh, I think that's what I try to like, I try to take the money out of it. Like I try not to think about like the contract or, um, you know, getting paid every week. Like I just try to focus on, man, I'm playing a kid's sport and this is supposed to be fun, you know? And I think at the beginning of my rookie year, like it kind of got tough there because like, you know, I'm still trying to figure some things out. You know, the game is still pretty, it's still very fast. I don't care what anyone says. NFL is fast. 
you know, and it's just like, there's a lot of information being thrown at you and then you got to go out and play full speed. And I just felt like I wasn't fully comfortable yet, like midway through my rookie year, but I was like, oh, but you know, whatever, like I'm getting paid. And I think I needed to change that mindset a little bit because like it just made the season feel so much longer. And like this year yeah. I came in, I was like, dude, I just need to have fun with it. I'm playing a kid's sport. Let's go out and like act like it's a kid's sport. Cause if I can have fun doing this, like, you know, I can do this all day, all year. And, um, yeah, I think that mind, I think that mindset kind of like helped me like this year, like I, I love doing what I'm doing. Like, I love going out there, playing with those guys, being around those guys. Um, and then we're a winning organization. So, you know, winning is a lot of fun and, uh, you know, but I do think that mindset's kind of helped me out, especially with how long the, the season's done. Big time, man. I mean, like, I, I can just say from, from me and you, we're just extremely blessed to be in these situations and, and going off of that, just. How important has your faith been on this journey uh, for you? Oh, so important. Man, all glory to God, dude. And I mean that sincerely. And uh, I actually, so like, I would always say I was, uh, you know, a big believer uh, growing up. But, you know, when I got to Kansas City, uh, I got drafted here. I came out here. My mom was like, hey, I actually have a friend um, who I grew up with. But uh, she met this guy and he actually planted a church in uh, Kansas City. I was like, oh, really? Like, that's, that's crazy. Like, cool. So I didn't know anyone in Kansas City. So when I got here, um, I was like, oh, I should probably make some connections. And so I was like, all right, like, I should probably go to the church to like, you know, uh, meet them because it's, you know, respectful and stuff like that. And yeah. I wasn't consistently going to church or consistently like all about that in, in my faith. Like, I was pretty immature. Um, but after like I had met him, like him and his family and that church community helped me out so much. And then from there, I was like, man, I got to ask questions. I got to continue figuring this out. And then, you know, I ended up getting baptized like three months after that, after talking with him and being a part of that community. And man, let me tell you, like the faith, you know, faith in our savior, man, it's, it's taken a lot of weight off my shoulders. Like when things are, are stressful when, you know, last year, my rookie year, like we weren't winning all the time in our first like half of the season we were up and down, like we were a 500 team for the first like eight, nine games. And, um, you know, it just kind of like helped like relax me and be like, man, this isn't about me. You know, this is something that's a lot bigger than me. Like I'm not here on my own. And I never really viewed that about football, which I think is why I was so stressed all the time in high school. Like, man, I got to get to college. I got to do this, this, and this, you know? And like when I was in college, like, man, I got to do this and this to get to the NFL when I got time in my junior year. And, uh, you know, so I think like having that faith and being like, man, like, I'm just going to give all my stress to God. I'm going to let him take that, you know, and I'm just going to do, I'm just going to work hard and do the things that he gave me and utilize all the talents he gave me um, and glorify him doing so. And honestly, dude, it's taken a lot of stress off my shoulders, um, especially going into year two. Yeah, man, that's amazing. I know me and you were very outspoken on social media of just how 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 good God is, you know what I mean? This is after my sophomore year at Villanova, I, I totally transformed my mindset of just of believing, um, doing right by God, and and He's taking care of us for sure, man. And I, like I said, I'm just super super proud of you, man. Uh, obviously, it's been a great great interview and podcast, and I'm, I'll, I'll always be rooting for you, my guy. Oh man, I'll be rooting for you too, brother. Man, I'm excited for you to get back and get on the the court this year, man. Yes, sir, man. Appreciate it. Uh, Noah Gray signing off. It's happening daily.
We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com What's up, everybody? Thank you guys for tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed this week's show. To find out who will be joining us next week, make sure you're following us on all social media platforms, at Swider Show on Instagram, at Swider Show on Twitter, and at Swider Show on TikTok. We also recently developed our very own YouTube page, www.youtube.com slash at Swider Show and subscribe. You can send in a mailbag question to be featured on the show, swidershow at gmail.com. And of course, if you haven't already, make sure to turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode week to week. Cole Swider Show with Patty Casey is presented by Blue Wire Podcast and our executive producer, Adam Lewis. Swider Show is created by Cole Swider, Patty Casey, and producer Adam Lewis. All rights reserved. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week.